I feel bad. I don't want to interrupt anybody right now, but hey, good morning, everyone. So good to see you all here. Um, uh, Thanks for being here. You guys look great. And I'll just also just want to say greetings to anyone joining us online, live. Thanks for tuning in. Great to have you with us. Um, On this Sunday before Christmas, is anybody like blink and all of a sudden it was like here? Does anybody feel that way? It is the Sunday. Well, hey, on that note, um, just a few things I'd like to share with you before we jump in to today's message. Uh, hey, we hope you can come back this Friday. Uh, is Christmas Eve. We're going to have two Christmas Eve services. We would love to have you come back out to celebrate with us. There's 2.30 and 4 o'clock worship services uh, to, celebrate, to celebrate the birth of the Messiah. And uh, we're going to have a good time. Uh, there's also going to be kids ministry for birth through kindergarten as well. So we're excited about that um, uh, to, to pour into those little hearts. Um, hey, and also... We have invite cards. If this is just a simple tool, maybe, maybe there's a person in your life, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, who uh, just is kind of on your heart. And it doesn't have to be a bully thing, right? It could be just a simple, hey, you know, you've been in my mind, and I'd love to just hang out with you. Would you consider coming to church with me And uh, at 2.30 or 4? You can take an invite card. looks like this. They're on the tables out there. You can grab one, use that if you want. There's also, I believe, an electronic version. If you wanted to send an email uh, on our website, you can use that tool as well. So uh, we're looking forward to celebrating Christmas here in just a couple days. So on that note, I do want to just make a little plug. We just need a couple more people, you guys, to maybe help with our kids' ministry at the 4 o'clock service that evening. If you know, like, yeah, you know what? I can do that. I can, I can pour into little hearts. I can love on some kids. Uh, we would really appreciate the help. If you think you can make that work, you can go to uh, myedinbrook.org backslash upcoming events, and you'll see actually a link there for registering to help in our kids' ministry. We'd really, really appreciate that. We want to make that special for our little ones as well. I also want to let you know what's happening next Sunday, which would be December 26th. So just to be clear, to honor and bless the volunteers, you guys, who absolutely pour it out every week, and especially over the holiday season. Hey, we just want you to know that we're going to have an online worship service available through streaming only on December 26th. There's not going to be in-person services to honor our volunteers. So here's what I want you to gather up the family, stay in the pajamas. It's totally okay. Nobody's going to see you. Gather up the family, grab your coffee, sit on the couch, and join us for Church at Home next Sunday at 10 o'clock. we got a great service lined up for you that way as well. Last... Did you notice that I'm the announcement and the preacher guy today, by the way? Anyways, last but not least, hey, if you brought a financial gift with you, can we just say thank you? We really, really appreciate your support, you guys, your generosity, helping us finish the year strong. If you brought a gift, a physical gift, you can drop it in the giving boxes out in the lobby, found on the pillars, or you can go to myedinbrook.org backslash give and uh, give electronics as well. But uh, from our heart to yours, you guys, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for your generosity. That means a lot to us. So, all right. Well, if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Edbrook, and uh, I have the privilege of closing out this series titled Prepare Him Room. And what we've been doing is looking at characters from the Christmas event and learning from them how they prepared, how they anticipated the coming Messiah. They did live. They lived with this anticipation that God was eventually going to show up. And they anxiously awaited that. And then he did, right, in the form of a baby. Now, one of the great things about, for us, living today, 
is that we can look back at that point in history and celebrate when Jesus was born, but we can also look forward and, and anticipate in, in, in anticipation of when is, when is he coming back? Like the Messiah's come one time, but guess what? He's coming back again. So what does that mean for us today? What does that look like? I love what Pastor Tyler and Pastor Brent have said over the last couple weeks, that we're kind of living in between two advents, right? The first one being when Jesus was born, the second one being when he will return. So the big question that we've really wanted to, to grapple with in this series is what does it mean for us today to live with that anticipation that Jesus is coming back? How can we be excited for his What does it mean? What should we be doing with our lives as we wait the next advent and return of Jesus Christ? And we can learn a lot from the original Christmas characters, which is what we've been doing, right? We talked about the obedience of Mary. We talked about Mary. We talked about the faithfulness of Joseph. We talked about the proclamation, even the evangelism of the shepherds. Loved that. We've been challenged to live out these characteristics in our lives as we await the next advent. We want to be a people. I want to be a person, you guys, that is like anxiously expecting God to show up and do something. Because he still does. It wasn't, hey, I was born, I died, and then now it's just we just sit around and do nothing. No, we're called on to be anxiously awaiting and acting and living out what it means to follow Christ. Today, I want to talk about this odd group of men from the East, the wise men. Who were they? What can we learn from them as we anticipate the coming of the Messiah? Now, most of us either own or have seen a traditional manger scene. How many of you own a traditional manger scene that you put up every Christmas? I would wager most of you, right? Okay. If you don't, that's okay. Now, Chris and my wife, Christine, and I, we have kind of a special one that we put up every Christmas season. It's made of olive wood. It's from Jerusalem. It's pretty special to us. Now, traditionally, you'll see what? Jesus in the manger, Mary, you've got Joseph, you've got shepherds, and you've got wise men. Now, I'm not trying to be a bah humbug, but if you have a manger set like this, I hate to tell you, but it's not completely accurate. You see, the wise men were not actually present at the manger the moment Jesus was born. They did not come to visit the child king until sometime later. So when I try to imagine, when I picture right my manger scene, when I try to picture what it was like actually being there, uh, the, the odd ones out, honestly, were the wise men. Think about it. They're not Jewish. They're not from the surrounding culture. They dress different. They act different. They just really don't seem to belong there. What I want to do today is I want to break down today's message kind of into two sections. I want to geek out, okay, for you history nerds, I kind of want to present a little history lesson on the wise men, and then I want to get very real and talk about, man, what can I learn from this group of men from the East about living with anticipation and excitement for the next coming of Jesus? Because there's some really important things that we can learn from their posture, from their behavior, and what they did. Well, let's just start, let's start by just reading their story together. We're going to go straight to the Word of God, you guys. And if you brought a Bible or you have a Bible app, or you, this, it'll also be up on the screen. We're just going to read Matthew chapter 2. Let's just read their story, okay? Here's how it goes. 
Starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And then they quoted from a prophet, a guy named Micah. It says this, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, super conniving guy, by the way, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I too can go and worship him. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When, the star, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Now let me just point this out in verse 11. They entered the, what's it say? House. Doesn't say anything about a barn. Doesn't say anything about a manger. See, this is, time has passed here. They've got, they're in a home now. Uh, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and what did they do? They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is the story of the Magi, or the wise men. Now let's just start with this question. Who were the wise men? Now, I did a lot of study on this. Most scholars believe, this is the history nerd in me, for you history nerds, this is, you're going to love this stuff. Scholars believe that they were court advisors to the king of Parthia, and that they were descendants of the Babylonian wise men. Now, I'm really going to geek out here for a minute. To help give you a picture of where they were from, here's a map that might help you. And man, I'm even going to use a laser pointer, Okay. I have always wanted to use a laser pointer in a sermon. You are helping me live the dream. Okay. All right. So you have, can, I, can you see my little red dot there? Okay. So red is Rome. Okay. We believe that the, the, these, uh, these were men from Parthia, the, the empire of Parthia. Okay. So here's Rome, all the red. Parthia is in this light blue. Okay. Um, the two most powerful, you can leave that up there for a little bit. The two most powerful empires in the world during Jesus' birth were the Roman and the Parthian Empire. Now, the Romans had conquered the Greek Empire and taken over the Western territories won by Alexander the Great, which Brent actually talked a little bit about that last week. Now, the Parthians had conquered the Eastern lands, which was the former Persian Empire, previously ruled by, you've probably heard of them, the Babylonians. All the Eastern cultures, okay, Parthian, Persian, and Babylonian had similar court structures, this is important, and customs with a king that was counseled by a group of priestly caste wise men, okay? 
Now, about 60 years, leave the map up there, about 60-some years before the birth of Christ, the Romans defeated the Parthians for control over what we call now the ancient Near East. The landmass that was acquired by the Romans included, guess what, Israel. So if I could map it out, so Israel's like right there, okay? I, my hand's a little wobbly, sorry. And Parthia used to control that, but Rome pushed the border back. And so now Rome controlled Jerusalem, which is where the Christmas story is going to take place. Now, how did this caravan of wise men know about Jesus? How did these advisors to the king of Parthia know that an important king was going to be born to the Jews? Now, to understand that, I just love this, you guys. I'm sorry, I'm geeking out. To understand that, we've got to know something about Jewish Babylonian and Persian history. We're going to go even further back in time. In 605 BC, the Jewish nation of Israel was overrun by the Babylonians, and many of the nation's brightest and best were dragged into captivity. Most were initially settled into refugee camps outside the capital of Babylon. Some were brought into the Babylonian court to be assimilated into the ruling Babylonian culture. One of those brought into the court was a young man named Daniel. And Daniel, with the help of Yahweh, became the chief of the Babylonian wise men three years later. Let me show you this verse in Daniel chapter 2. Check this out. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over all his, what's it say? Wise men. Now, like I mentioned earlier, Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians in 605 BC. But over the next 20 years, this tiny nation of Israel, what did they do? They continued to rebel, and every time it did, what would happen? The Babylonian army would come in, round up more Israelites, and take them into exile. Now, get this. As a result, little pockets of Jewish communities got planted all over the Babylonian Empire. And with these communities came their what? Their scriptures. All their sacred scriptures. See, the reason the wise men knew about the Messiah's coming was because Daniel and this community of Jewish exiles would have had scrolls to the Old Testament with them when they were moved to Babylon 600 years previously. The Babylonian and Parthian wise men would have had studied the Jewish Old Testament scriptures. Now, what did they discover? For 600 years, what did they discover as they read these Jewish scriptures? Now, to be fair, they act, there are actually over 300 prophecies about Jesus. And so for the next three to four hours, we're just going to go through each one. <laughs> Some of you just broke out into a cold sweat. We're not going to do that. But you know what? I do want to share a couple that, that I believe these wise men would have known about. For example, one of the scriptures the exiles would have had was a copy of the book of Genesis. 
And in Genesis 3.15, we get the first description of the Savior who is to come. Genesis 3.15 indicated that mankind's deliverer will be born of a woman, okay? He's not going to materialize. He's just not going to poof. There he is. He's not going to fall from the skies. It was very clear he's going to be born of a woman. So these wise men knew to look for someone newly born when he comes. They come looking for a baby. They would also have had a copy of the book of Numbers. And in Numbers 24, 17, it says that a star will rise out of Israel. Now, this is so cool to me, you guys. I never knew this, and I learned this this week. One of the subjects that all wise men studied in school was how to read the stars. They were great astronomers. They believed that the cosmos communicated to them by means of star alignments and configurations. And according to their thinking, people and nations were associated with certain stars and constellations. The Jewish nation, for instance, was associated with the constellation Pisces. Pisces is the fish. Now, this just blows my mind, you guys. Centuries before, even before Babylon, God sends a prophet to the same people group, a prophet by the name of Jonah, who was delivered to them how? A huge fish, who spit him up on dry land just outside the city of Nineveh. So they associated the Jewish people group and fish. And at the birth of Christ, now something happened in the constellation of Pisces that communicated to these Parthian wise men that the star of Israel had been born. So they packed up their camels, their caravans, they enlisted a few dozen servants, and they traveled to the capital city of Jewish Jerusalem. And when they arrived, they asked, where's the king that has been born? No wonder they went to Herod first, right? They're looking for a king. These wise men, right, through their resident Jewish community, they would have had access to the book of 2 Chronicles. And in 2 Chronicles, God promises Solomon that a descendant of his father David will rule forever. From this, the wise men know that this baby is going to be born of a kingly lineage. Specifically, he's going to be a son of David. They know that he's going to be royalty. They also would have had the book of Daniel, right? Their long-deceased chief of the wise men. And Daniel, in his book, in his writings, describes that he is going to be both God and man. He's going to be fully human and fully divine. And so they're looking for a God-man. And they also would have had, they also would have known about one of the more sobering truths. They would have had a scroll of the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah describes how this God, king, man will die. Which leads to a conversation regarding the specific gifts that they brought. You see, when the wise men come to visit Jesus, they bring three gifts. Gold, which is a gift for royalty. That's a gift you give a king. They brought incense, which was for divinity. That's a gift you give a god. And myrrh, which is a funeral gift. It's a gift used for burial. Guys, listen to me. Their gifts show amazing thought and insight. 
They just do. You might think these gifts were just lucky coincidence, but I don't believe they were. See, they had studied the Hebrew scriptures about the life of the Messiah, and they probably knew more than we often give them credit for. This is amazing to me. You want to know why? Because God is the one who has orchestrated all these things in such a way that you and I today could know that he is in every single element of his grand story. You can't make this up. God has had a plan and he has woven it throughout history so that we could know today, wow. I love that. And the wise men saw this thread as well. I love this. Now, as I, as, I, as I learned this stuff and as I just sat back, I was like, gosh, this is amazing. I found myself just thinking, meditating, reflecting on the wise men, who they were, what they were like, what drove them, what kind of people they were. And I, and I did. I wanted to ask the question, man, what can I learn from these wise men today as we await, right, the coming of the Messiah again, as we prepare even our hearts this week, you guys, for Christmas, what, what can we truly learn from these wise men? And a lot of thoughts came to mind, but I do just want to highlight a couple of them. Just things that just kind of came to the surface. I thought, yeah, that's important. Well, the first one was this. I was struck by the fact that they didn't let anything get in the way of moving towards the Messiah. Nothing. Think about this for a minute. This caravan of wise men, they didn't allow anything to deter them from proceeding towards Jesus. I imagine they had their share of, of challenges, right, as they traveled. I bet there were obstacles. I bet there were arguments. I bet they even got lost a few times. I bet animals and people got sick or injured. And of course, there's the distance. We're talking hundreds of miles. Now, they could have looked at that trek and said, Nope, too long, too dangerous, too much turmoil, but they didn't. They stayed determined to move towards the Messiah no matter the cost. Now, I had a smile this week because on Wednesday morning, <laughs> uh, my devotional had me read Proverbs chapter 4. And as I was reading Proverbs 4, I came across this verse in, uh, in verse 25, and it just made me smile because I'm thinking about the wise men. This is what verse 25 says. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. And I just had this picture of, man, I wonder if the wise men had access to the writings of King Solomon, which were recorded for us in Proverbs. Maybe they even had this proverb in their mind as they followed that star. Look straight ahead ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Maybe, you guys, maybe some of us, myself included, maybe some of us need to fix our eyes on Jesus a little more intently this Christmas. So I got to ask, are the things getting in the way of you moving towards the Messiah lately? Is there distractions? Is there just 
busyness, right? Your mind is consumed by everything else that you've just kind of you've pushed Jesus aside. Are you consumed by worry and anxiety during the holiday season? Maybe, maybe it's even a relationship that has been strained and in your heart, man, you know that it has caused a barrier from drawing closer to Jesus. What are the things in your that are getting in the way of you being intentional about drawing near and moving towards God, regardless of obstacles, instead of doing nothing? I am so just inspired, you guys, by the wise men and their desire to say nothing is going to keep me away from drawing near to the Messiah. Nothing. Second thing that, uh, that I, I just kind of came to the surface and it's probably the most obvious one, right, is <laughs> they worshipped. They worshipped. But we see in the wise men this beautiful picture of what it really should look like. Look at verse 11 with me again in Matthew 2. It says, they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they came and worshipped. Now, part of their worship involved gifts. Part involved bowing down. Now, three weeks ago, Pastor Tyler challenged us with this question. Who is sitting on the throne of your life? Man, it, he, he gave this fantastic picture and illustration using this chair, right, of, of who's in the throne of your life. Man, and if you missed that message, by the way, I would strongly encourage you to go back and watch that message. It was so good. But I have to ask us the same question again today. I'm just going to put it another way. Who is getting your worship these days? Who is really getting your adoration? Who's getting your attention? Is it really Jesus or is there something else? Is it something? Is it someone? Or is it even <laughs> you? And I could stand before you to say, you know, I, I feel like I'm really good at worshiping myself. And I think we all wrestle with that. But these wise men understood that to truly embrace and understand the kingship and the lordship of Jesus in their lives, they needed to posture themselves to place him first in their lives. And that's what they did. Guys, by getting on their knees, it was a posture of saying, you know what, you first, me second. That had to take a lot of humility on their part. These wise men came from a high up, wealthy, and well-known caste position. Yet they chose to bow down to a toddler, probably in a diaper. But they knew in their hearts that he was truly the God King. I'm also struck, you guys, by the imagery of, of laying gifts before him. And I, I see two powerful pictures in this action. First, man, I see their willingness to give up earthly riches for something greater. Did you ever notice that? To give up earthly riches for something greater. It communicated for, to, that Jesus in their eyes was far more valuable than material possessions. I love that. Second, I, I see in that moment 
this, this shift in their thinking. And they, they, uh, what they believed deserved adoration. By laying these things down, you know what else they were saying? They're saying, earthly riches do not deserve my worship. You, Jesus, deserve my worship. What are the things in your lives that are vying for your attention? What are the things in your lives that are vying for your worship? What are the things that are vying for your adoration? When was the last time, you guys, and I, like, heart check, that you truly adored Jesus? Only you can answer that. Third, and I think we can miss this. We kind of glaze over this one sometimes. Third, God spoke to them. Did you ever notice that? God spoke to them. Look at verse 12. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream, communication, not to return to Herod. Wrap your, just wrap your mind around this for a second. Nine months before Christmas, God sends angels to speak to Joseph and Mary about the birth of his son. Christmas night, God sends angels to communicate with shepherds about the birth of his son. Hundreds of years before Christmas, God sends a holy man named Daniel to the eastern peoples to prepare their highest caste, their wise men, to respond to the birth of his son. Friends, listen. God chooses to speak to those who are willing and poised to listen. Now, this is my deduction, okay? But I can't help but notice a progression with the wise men. That when they were intentional about moving towards God, saying, I'm going to be intentional about moving and nothing's going to get in my way. And when they humbled themselves and gave him priority in their lives, in their hearts, that's when God spoke to them. Friends, listen, I don't not hear from God because he's too busy or because he doesn't care or because he doesn't want to talk to me. He always wants to talk to me. Usually the case is this. I don't hear from God because I haven't moved towards him. Or you know what? I'm too busy living for myself. Or I've made me the object of attention. I've made me the center of my universe, when really, instead, the most important thing is Jesus. Well, no wonder that I can't hear God speaking to me. You know why? Because I haven't positioned myself into a healthy place to hear from God. Guys, I, when I look at the wise men, I see them positioning themselves to hear from God. This dream could have been the very first time they actually heard the God of the universe, heard Yahweh speak to them. Do you think they were a little excited by that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know why? Because they were intentional about saying, we're going to draw near to God. And I am convinced that God saw their hearts. And because God saw their desire to move towards Jesus, he honored them by speaking to them. How many of you can honestly share, and, and I'm in this boat with you guys, 
the last time you heard God speak to you. Now, God speaks in all kinds of ways. I believe this. Through prayer, through being still, through a prompt, even through another person who you know is walking in step with God. Okay, not, not some stranger, but someone that you know is walking in step with the Lord. God speaks to us through those people. And dare I say, I believe God can still speak through a dream today. It happens, honestly. But when was the last time God spoke to you? God prompted you. And if it's been a while, could I just suggest as your friend? And I'm saying this to me too. I really am, you guys. Maybe the reason I haven't actually heard from God is because I have let distraction and obstacles get in the way. And I haven't been intentional about laying those things down and moving towards the Messiah. Maybe you haven't been moving at all. Maybe you're just sitting still. Maybe, and this hurts my heart, maybe there's a pain and you're struggling and so you keep God at a distance. You say, I, I, don't, I don't want to deal with you. God can't speak to that heart. And I pray, you guys, that that, that would be our prayer, that we would soften and say, no, as painful as it could be, God, I'm going to choose to draw near to you instead of push you away. I've got to be intentional about constantly seeking out God first, just like the wise men. One of my favorite verses, I know it's like, I'm a pastor, you're not allowed to have favorite verse, but I kind of do have favorite verses, I'm just being honest. One of my most favorite promises in scriptures is Jeremiah 29. And Jeremiah gives us, this is God speaking to his people. You know what he says? He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Gosh, I can't even tell you how many times that I've quoted that passage to, my, to myself because I needed to hear it. Friends, the wise men embodied this promise. The promise of God is, if you will seek me, you will find me. So come, worship, bow down, and you will find me. What did the wise men find? They found the Savior. <coughs> Guys, when I was 17 years old, I bowed down to Jesus in my heart and in my physical posture. I still remember the retreat I was on, and I remember getting on my knees. And guys, I gave him my life, and he changed me forever. It was like he put a new heart inside of me, and from that moment on, I had this sense, man, everything was going to be okay. And I, I can tell you guys, the, the stuff that I was involved in was painful and it was hard. But even though I knew I was still stuck in that stuff and I, there was a lot more hard stuff coming, I had a peace. There was just this undergirding of peace that I can't explain to you when I bowed down to Jesus. Now, I don't know where you're at. And maybe you'd like to experience that same thing. Maybe you'd like a little more peace, right, over this holiday season for sure. And I, I would just appeal to you as, as your friend. And I'd encourage you to consider the posture of the wise men. 
and choose. Choose to humble yourself and bow down before Jesus. I'm telling you guys, it'll change your life. It did for me. Admit that he is God and you are not. That's the bowing down part. Admit that you need him because worshiping other things or even yourself, man, it's just not working out. (laughs) You know what? That's the worship part. Bow down and worship. I'm actually going to ask you to just bow your heads now with me and just pray with me. And make this your prayer as well. Lord Jesus, today, I want to do what the wise men did. And I want to say, you are God and I am not. You are first and I am second. I admit that I need you and I want you in my life. I choose now to move towards you. Might even hurt, but God, I'm going to move towards you. I'm asking you, forgive my past. Please come and live with me forever as my Lord and my Savior. And now, Jesus, I choose to bow and worship you for the rest of my life. And it's in that powerful name, Jesus, that all God's people said, amen.